friends, and welcome to the Seeker Podcast at Service of Change, where we challenge reality, question it which we've been taught, in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, with Service of Change, where you can read my book for free, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are, the book that will challenge your perception of reality, because it's not so much the answers that we find, but the questions that we ask that will open up whole, entirely new doors of opportunity and wonder, and that book starts the journey for you. You can read it for free by going to serviceofchange.com slash I Am Human. Tonight's show, one of the things I want to talk about, I got a lot I want to get to tonight in such a short amount of time, so please stay tuned, but I want to get into in a little bit a personal experience I had uh, with an anomaly in the sky, had me all shooken up, what was it, really freaked me out for a while, Uh, I'm going to get into that a little bit later on, uh, and how I handled it, how I addressed it, and what it actually was. But I'm going to jump into some of the things that are they're just going on in the world right now. That's you know flooding all over everybody's radar. Um, a lot of this is coming through the alternative media before it hits the mainstream, and then it's funny going back and seeing the mainstream spin on uh, on different things, and it's funny going back and seeing the alternative media spin on things sometimes. And that's kind of the theme uh, of my show as it's coming together. I'm kind of freestyling tonight, but as I'm as I'm doing the show now, uh, you know the theme of just keeping it honest and keeping it objective and not hitting the panic button when something exciting happens is of the utmost importance because once you put something out there, it's out there and then you have people that are going to just run with it in so many different directions which then makes our job as researchers and truth seekers so much more difficult. Now, you may have seen this story, uh, I'm sure you have, about the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket that exploded. I think that was on uh, September 1st. Huge buzz going on about this rocket that exploded. Nobody was injured from what I understand. Uh, you know, this is one of, I think, nine rockets that are set to launch over the next year um, with various payloads going up into space. It's the, uh, you know, kind of the privatization of, uh, you know, the, the space program. So the headlines that I was seeing on this program, uh, you know, on the, on the media feeds, social media feeds, was that a UFO was seen flying toward the rocket and then the rocket explodes. Now in the pictures that you see it's kind of a grainy image and you see something flying in the air in the vicinity of the rocket and that definitely catches your attention. Um, So right away my brain starts going in a thousand directions. Oh my gosh what if it's you know, what if it's some kind of secret space program trying to sabotage the private sector? What if, you know, 
aliens are out there or some other race of beings that are you know uh, native to this planet don't want this privatization to happen because of whatever nefarious reasons my my brain I mean I'm a writer so my brain goes in a thousand different directions but I didn't really read the article because I had so much other stuff going on I didn't read the article I didn't even watch the video just got a lot of other stuff going on I wanted to talk about it on tonight's show, so I jumped online, and I actually sat down, and I watched the video, and I read a couple articles. I read the ones talking about how it's, hey, it's possibly a UFO that's attacking this rocket, and uh, I read another article that said, yeah, you know, it most likely was some birds or something. So I watched the video. I had to watch it about four or five times, and what I saw, before it explodes, I didn't see anything. I didn't see any UFOs flying around, no movement in the sky. And then all of a sudden, you see this massive explosion. And then about 10 seconds later, you hear this intense rumbling. And, and just on my little computer speakers as I'm watching this, it was an intense just rumbling. It was a really awesome uh, you know, thing to see. Awesome in the, just in the incredible sense, not in the you know, really cool sense. Just, it was amazing. And a few seconds after that, from the right, you see something come from the right-hand side of the screen, fly in the direction of this rocket, and then turn around, and then fly off past the rocket again. It continues in its direction of travel. And from a distance, you could say, wow, that's some kind of advanced UFO technology flying and turning. But I got to tell you, at looking at it, I'm pretty sure I clearly see wings flapping, and it looks like a bird. So I, I think there's a lot of hype that you know a lot of stuff gets written for clickbait and to get people on there. And I say it all the time. I mean, you know, a lot of these websites now are the new tabloids. It's a guilty pleasure. People like to read that. People like to use their imagination. But we really need to be smart consumers because it's frustrating as a truth seeker to have to weed through all the BS that's out there. And it, it annoys me. So, you know, I don't even know if I shared that initial article. If I did, I'm going to go back and write my own opinion on it. And I think we have a responsibility to do that because there's times I see something that I think is really cool. The headline catches my attention or the image catches my attention. And I'll throw it up and I'll share it on my wall, uh, on my Facebook wall. And, I, you know, before I read it because I want to go back and read it later. Sometimes I just I never get back to it and I forget. Other times I do go back and, and I check it out. But my point is, you know, we have to be careful with what we're sharing. If it doesn't make any sense or if it's ridiculous, we need to put some kind of comment up there saying, read with caution. I usually try to say, have not read this yet. You know, let me know your opinion. I'll throw that up there on the wall. But I think we need to be conscious of that and not just share things arbitrarily. And, I, and again, I'm guilty of it at times too, but we need to do a better job at screening the information. So... Anyway, that's my uh, my two, more like my four cents on uh, SpaceX. Uh, another really interesting uh, story that came across. I love Unknown Country. Um, you know, they had a really neat article it's called, uh, it, you know, it's titled 50,000-year-old sewing needle unearthed in Siberia, but it was not made by humans. This is dated Monday, September 5th. Archaeologists have announced the discovery of a 50,000-year-old sewing needle made from bone that was excavated from a cave in Siberia's Altea, uh, Altea Mountains. This well-preserved sewing implement sports a hole for guiding the thread and it still appears to be sharp enough to be used today. This artifact, however, has an unusual distinction in that it is suspected that it was not crafted by a human hand. The cave that is the that the 7 centimeter or 2.75 inch needle was recovered from is home to the only known remains of an extinct form of human called Denisovans. 
found in 2010 a single finger bone excavated from the cave underwent genetic testing only to find that the mitochondrial DNA of the individual that it belonged to was quite distinct from both modern humans and Neanderthals, indicating that this was a separate species altogether. Further testing from from samples taken from two teeth and a toe bone indicate that they shared a common ancestor with Neanderthals and that they interbred with humans and Neanderthals, but otherwise very little is known about these mysterious cousins of ours. The needle itself is finely made with a thread hole having been bored by a high-speed implement rather than having been crudely dug out. The hole is also notched, allowing for a space for the thread to tuck in behind the needle while it is being passed through the fabric. This artifact is evidently the product of a practice technique. While other needles suspected to have been made by the Denisovians have been found in the cave, this one was recovered from a strata at least 10,000 years older than where the others were found. In 2008, a 40,000-year-old finely made bracelet made with green chlorite was recovered, suggesting to researchers that the Denisovians were more technologically advanced than their human and Neanderthal contemporaries. Now, I know a sewing needle is not rocket science, but at least 10,000 years older, so we're talking... 50,000-year-old sewing needle. Now, let's think back. We say modern society was 6,000 years old in Sumeria where everything just kind of came out of nowhere. But if you're building sewing needles, and it says some kind of high technology, I'm not necessarily saying that it was machine. That's not what the article says. But there's a skill set there. There's an, an intelligence there to craft something. History is so rich. There's so much more to our history that we just don't understand. You know, again, I've talked about it before. Graham Hancock's Magician of the Gods. Well worth your time to, to look into that book, what he's saying. Michael Cremo, Forbidden Archaeology. You know, again, and I, I go back to this stuff a lot because I think that that ancient history has a major tie-in to what's going on in the world today. What was forgotten, what was repressed, I think is the key to our own liberation and freedom from this matrix that we seem to be stuck in. So uh, I I highly encourage you to do your homework and look into these ancient sources because what you're going to uncover, things about aliens, UFOs, hollow earth, little people, um, you know, advanced technology, Atlantis, Lemuria, all of these different things, you know, creation, it's just all back there in the past, and and it's been destroyed, it's been hidden, so, uh, you know, keep an open mind and and definitely look into that. Uh, You know, the next big, uh, before I get to my personal encounter with the the anomaly in the sky, um, I want to just real quick address what's going on with the Sioux people in, in North Dakota. I've been following this story uh, and trying to share it when it comes across my news feed. Uh, and, and it really, and I guess like everybody's saying, I'm not surprised once again Native American peoples are being discriminated against. And what's it for this time in the name of big oil? And I, you know, obviously I drive a car, you know, uh, um, and my house is run on in you know the electric grid. But I am so sick of this addiction to oil and to electricity. Uh, because we seem to be somewhat, or we seem to think we are powerless to do anything about it. Now, I know there are alternatives out there. You know there are alternatives out there. We need to start making those investments so it's easier to pull away from these bullies with, of these oil companies because it doesn't have to be the only way. It's not the only way. So what's gone on in the past week, you know, and they're, and they're referring to themselves as water protectors, which I think is amazing. And, and when I watch the videos, they're always screaming, you know, nonviolence, 
be peaceful, and they are. They're singing, they're chanting, they're praying. So one of the first things that happened is, you know, th this company bulldozed part of one of their sacred burial grounds, which is an absolute disgrace, and, and in my opinion, it's an obvious attempt to bully these people. Now, what are these people doing? They don't want the pipeline to be laid across because it's gonna. They're, they're afraid that if it bursts, it's going to contaminate a source of water for thousands or millions of people. Okay, that's a noble thing to stand up for, and they're doing it peacefully. But these companies are continuing to bully these people who have stood their ground peacefully. Now, just the other day, after the desecration, or during, I'm sorry, the desecration of these grave sites, the people, again, showed up to put themselves in front of the bulldozers. And what happened? This company hired a private security firm with their own, uh, you know, canine officers, and obviously the dogs were there, and they were sicking the dogs on the people. And I, I've seen a couple of the, uh, you know, a bit of the footage. The people were, in the end, I guess they got defensively aggressive in the very end of it, but these people were just standing there peacefully, and as the officers were walking by, they are just allowing their dogs to bite. Now, I have a problem with this on a lot of levels. Number one, it's not fair to these dogs who are trained for such violence and that are being pawns. You know, what if you saw some of the people defending themselves hitting the dogs with, with flags and stuff? And again, it's self-defense. That dog's being used as a weapon, but that dog's just doing what it's trained to be doing. So that my, my heart goes out to the animals that are, you know, kind of, uh, you know, being forced into this situation. It's a shame. But this security force is obviously just bullying these people, you know, and I just read... Uh, you know, to escalate things even further, uh, in forum.com, the heading states, let's see here, dated today, uh, today is the 8th of September. National Guard to provide assistance to officers at the pipeline protest. Uh, so in Mandan, North Dakota, Governor Jack, uh, I can't even say his name, uh, Dar Darimple activated the North Dakota National Guard in a limited role Thursday to provide support for civilian authorities dealing with the Dakota Access Pipeline protests south of Mandan as a key court ruling loomed Friday. The Guard's adjutant uh, general stressed that soldiers will not patrol the main protest in Cameron north of Cannonball. Uh, the Guard is not heading south, Major General Alan Dorman said during a news conference. The Guard's role here is to promote, like everyone else, public safety and to help help out the law enforcement so we can free up officers with patrol cars to go down there and have a visible presence. Now, the article goes on just to talk about, you know, you know all the political stuff, um, you know, and how the Guard's just there to basically back up the officers so the officers can respond to calls and blah, 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 blah. You can read it. I'll have the link at servicetochange.com in the show notes for this show. But there comes a time, you know, in your life, and I'm saying this as a former soldier, as a former police officer, that you need to ask yourself what you stand for. When I joined the military, when I joined the police department, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to serve my country. I wanted to help people. And I reached a point as a police officer where I felt that my service as a police officer was not having the impact on the world that I wanted. I wasn't making the difference that I wanted. We were a reactive force. After something bad happened, we showed up there. So I left, and I became a teacher. And you can read about my experiences in my book, Service, which is available through the bookstore at serviceofchange.com. To the guardsmen and the officers that are out there, who are you working for? 
You know, you can make the argument, which I've heard, that, well, the creation of this pipeline is creating thousands of jobs for Americans, and this, you know, this oil will provide fuel and energy to everybody. Okay, maybe it will. How long is all of that going to last? What's going to happen if that pipeline bursts? Moreover, the fact that there's alternative means available, yet you are promoting the protection of an oil company which is suppressing the use of that technology, then you are part of the problem. So you may wear a badge, you may wear a uniform, but are you doing what is right? Just because you stand on the side of the law does not necessarily mean you are doing what is right. Take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask yourself, who do you work for? What is your higher calling? What is your purpose? Are you aligned with that purpose just by upholding what your boss tells you to do? Or is there something better that you can be doing? I would love to see it if the guard soldiers would stand with the Sioux people, stand up and say, you know what? We don't want this oil company here either. Stop putting business before people and the earth. Do you understand? We are destroying our home. That's all I'm going to say about that. There's, there's, you know, a, a lot continuing coverage, lots of great stuff coming out of that, uh, you know, from the front lines there. My thoughts are with the people who are standing their ground on behalf of all of us, the people who have continually been repressed, uh, you know, since America was quote unquote rediscovered. Let's put it that way. So let me move on to my own personal experience uh, over the weekend, Labor Day weekend, you know, just passed. Um, and one of the things that we do in my community on Labor Day weekend, we have a big bonfire with a DJ. It's a big, you know, kind of a beach party. We have, you know, a bunch of mountain lakes up here. So I had some friends in town and we went to, uh, we went to the beach. My children with me, my wife was with me, you know, my mother. And uh, I look up in the sky, you know, it wasn't dark yet, it was still a little bit of light out, I guess it was about 8.30ish at night, so it was still a little bit of daylight, and I saw the moon up in the sky, and it was a crescent moon, uh, so, you know, I, I like looking at the sky, the fire, you picture the ambience, the fire is on the side, the moon's, the moon is right above one of the mountains where I live, so I'm looking to the fire to my right, I look out to the lake in front of me, behind the lake is this mountain, and just above the mountain is the moon. It's the crescent moon. And I look at this moon, and all of a sudden I say, the moon is setting. And I started to freak out, and I'm, I'm screaming this on the beach now. And some people are kind of staring at me. Most people are ignoring me. My family at first was telling me that I must have been on drugs or something, which I was not um, at first, because people thought I was nuts. And I'm watching it again, and it wasn't even a steady descent. It literally dropped and looked like it was falling out of the sky. So I'm really starting to freak out because I've never seen anything like this. And I'm going, but it's not even dark yet. The moon should be rising. Why is the moon setting? I was totally freaked out thinking in my head, you know, all the conspiracy stuff I read, all the myths that I read, uh, uh, it's going through my head. I'm like, I'm about to witness the beginning of the end right here so I'm watching it I'm watching it and now within a minute's time the moon completely set behind the mountain and was gone the moon fell 
out of the sky. I, I didn't have a chance to get video, but I have multiple witnesses with me. I was completely freaked out by this. I, I never panicked, but I panicked this night, and I went right on the Facebook, and I said, here's what I just saw. Does anybody know anything? Is anybody else seeing this? Trying to get validation. I didn't say what I thought it was. I reported exactly what I saw, and I kind of want to make that distinction here because it's easy when you're panicked, and I was panicked, to start spreading a story that's going to take a spin and be misused. That's why I'm kind of glad I didn't get the video of it. Um, so, I, you know, I put it out there and did a little bit of research and found out that the day before there was a solar eclipse. Now, that solar eclipse took place in Africa. It was able to be seen, through, you know, from Africa. But at reading that, at hearing that, I thought, okay, makes sense because it got dark right after the moon went down. And, you know, the solar eclipse was supposed to look somewhat close to what I saw. So, you know, it satisfied me because then I realized, well, I always see the sunset right in that same spot over that mountain. So I figured it was a solar eclipse and that was the sun that was setting. And that is what the sun looks like when it sets. It sets pretty quickly. I just wasn't expecting the moon to set at that point in time. So I was satisfied at first. The next day, I started doing some more research because it was really bothering me. Because in my head, I'm going, okay... You know, that eclipse was in Africa the day before I looked into it, and there's no way we were supposed to see it here in the United States of America. So that didn't answer what I saw. So what the heck did I see? And I started thinking, well, maybe there was an asteroid. Yes, my mind going crazy again. Maybe an asteroid's passing between, you know, the sun and the earth and, and created a shadow over the sun and... and and that's the pro that's the thing that I saw, the shadow of this asteroid that's going to come hit the Earth and, and wipe us out, or that's going the other direction, whatever. And then I thought, oh my gosh, there's a ton of video out there about Nibiru. And I really started going on a tangent in my head about that one, going, Planet X. I saw it. I missed my opportunity to get video of it, but Planet X passed between the Earth and the Sun, and it blocked out the Sun, and nobody else saw it. Again, here's where my head's going. It's, it's Planet X. It's Nibiru. And I really thought that's what it was. And I started watching videos of it and, and looking into it and thinking this is a real possibility of what I saw. Hadn't said that publicly yet, but I was all set to write, you know, to a friend of mine, uh, you know, who, who knows a lot about it. I actually had the email typed out. And as I'm typing out this email in a panic saying, hey, I think I saw Planet Nibiru the other night, uh, one of my friends that I was with, along with my wife, pulled some more information for me and found you know a description of exactly what we saw from 2011 and my wife found a similar description from the uh, from the other night and what this was called was a moon set the moon set and that is exactly what it looks like what surprised me and I should have known this because I've studied astrology previously is that the moon sets at varying times during the day because when you look at the astrological sign affiliated with the moon, those signs come into uh, into being. I don't know the, the technical term, but you know they come about at varying times throughout the day because it's the rising and the setting of the moon. So the moon could set at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So it was just an odd timing for me. I'd never seen anything like that, and the the speed of the descent, um, you know, of the moon looked to me like something supernatural. But in fact. It was something that is quite natural, uh, you know, and, and nothing to worry about as it stands right now. But it was a lesson for me, and, and, and I'm glad that I didn't 
fully hit the panic button. I hit the panic button as far as an inquiry online asking people what they thought or what they saw that it was because I was scared. But I didn't say, hey, this might be Nibiru, this might be this, this might be that. And we see that a lot when a video comes out like the SpaceX thing and somebody says, oh my gosh, that's fascinating. Here's what I think it is. You have to be delicate when you give your opinion. You have to stress, this is my opinion. What do you think? Because now let's say I would have gotten video of this and it was a pretty fantastic video and it made it to the right viral page. And then they could have said, well, here's proof that Planet Nibiru is coming down. And that could have been used for some people as evidence that, yep, Planet Nibiru is right outside. I'm not saying it's not there, but what I saw was not it. So, we, again, we have an obligation as truth seekers to be careful what we're putting out there and how we're putting it out there. Because our credibility is everything. It's important to me, my credibility, to not be putting out bad information or disinformation. And if I do, I have no problem admitting that I was wrong or that I jumped the gun. So... Even in a moment of panic, sure, take your picture, put your video up there, and ask the question instead of giving the answer if you're not sure. That's my whole point there with this. Um, you know, it, like I said, it scared me. Uh, it really, it really panicked me. But I'm glad that the world is not ending. Sometimes I think I just need to unplug, which is uh, what I did for the next two days. So I didn't think about this stuff as often as I do. So anyway. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. What would uh, you know? What would you have done? Have you seen anything like this? How did you handle it? Uh, you know, anything you want to share? I'd love to hear it. I'm always looking for guests for the show. Uh, last week I had author Jerry Baus on here. It was a fantastic show. Getting some great feedback on it. Talking about life as an empath. Empath. What is it like? to feel other people's feelings. It's something that I've, uh, you know, experienced many times throughout my life. Um, Jerry has it, you know, she is much, much more sensitive than I am, and she's a great voice for people that deal with this uh, on a daily basis. So check out that show at serviceofchange.com, along with the archives of all our other great shows where you can find on SoundCloud, on YouTube, and, of course, on iTunes. Uh, also, if you'd like to support the show, go to servicechange.com. Check out our bookstore, please. Right now, it's just books published through uh, the Service of Change Publishing Company. Um, but there's some great resources right there for uh, for teachers. You have the memoir service, which is so relevant. Uh, you know, if you're interested in what's going on with the Black Lives Matter, with law enforcement, um, you know, that's my experience as a cop and as an intelligence soldier. Uh, and what I learned once I became a teacher about what's going on in this world, uh, I, I called out all these problems trying to prevent it, um, you know, in that book. So please check that out. It's a great read. And then I've got books for teachers as well on there for classroom management for uh, minimizing school violence. I'm giving these plugs just because I need some help supporting the show. And you get some great reading, and it's a great way to support the show as well. So please check it out. Go to theserviceofchange.com. Click on the bookstore tab. Uh, I think that is all the time that I have for right now. Again, I'd love to have you as a guest. Everything's at servicechange.com. If you're looking to write a guest article, uh, I'm always looking for guest bloggers to come on and, and uh, you know support the site as well. And uh, you know, lastly, if you're on the Facebook feed and you see something that comes your way and you're interested in it, please like it, comment it, share on it because it helps to you know uh, expose um, you know my page to to more potential viewers and listeners because I'm just trying to uh, share some information here that I think is important for all of us to have. So can't do it without your help to my listeners out there, to my readers out there. Thank you so much for your continued support. 
I'm Dennis Nappy II with Service of Change. This has been the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Seekers.